Welcome. We are in off the bench. I'm joined here with Jim Cross, Randy Jowers. I am Daniel Ball, the referee slash moderator slash keeper of the peace slash protector of time. We are going to talk about last night's Last Dance Parts 5 and 6. Um, to lead it off, I'll be honest with you guys. I wasn't a big fan of the episodes last night. I wanted to see less of MJ personally and more of MJ and the basketball part of it. I'll probably be in the minority when it comes to that feeling. But to lead it off tonight, I got to give Randy the, the mic because it is really awesome how it started with Kobe Bryant. Um, talk to me being a Kobe guy, Randy, how was it? How did it feel to just see your, see your boy one last time? Was it eerie? Was it nostalgic? how did you feel? You know, it felt really eerie to be honest. It was almost surreal that you think while you're watching him talk, you know, this guy's really gone. You know, it seems you know, given the pandemic and everything, it seems like time's kind of standing still. But that was just in January, you know, that that happened, that he's gone. And to hear him, you know, he just did that video, that sit-down interview not long before he died. And just to hear him talk about Jordan, not that anybody didn't know, but that was his idol. He modeled so much of his game after MJ. And then what I thought was um, telling was to listen in on the All-Star Game locker room and hear how – Jordan talked about Kobe as being you know, the young guy that just kept shooting, uh, you know, air balls. And the only way he would get the ball if it, MJ was on the team, if it's if he rebounded it, you know, and how and didn't let the team, the game come to him. And just to hear that was really eye opening because Kobe came into the league under a lot of scrutiny. You know, everybody kind of labeled him as the next guy, but it's funny to see those guys talk about him that they didn't necessarily agree. Yeah. Jim, do you think, is there anybody in today's game where LeBron and Chris Paul, they're sitting back there and they're like, ooh, man, that young, that young fella, like he's going to try to like one-up us tonight? Yeah, I think there's a guy, and I don't know how good he's going to be, but because I read Twitter a lot, I actually believe these guys really think what Trey Young is doing is respectable and respect the effort he puts in his game. Like I said, I'm not a big Trey Young guy, but that doesn't really matter. I'm not, you know, the majority, and he's putting up 50-point games, and he's putting in the time in the gym. And as a matter of fact, he was someone who was personally working with Kobe. He gets rid of his girlfriend, and he's got more time to be a baller. Uh, <laughs> C.D. Lamb problem. Well, now. she's moved on. Obviously. But I, but I do want to say – you know, in regards – first of all, one of the comments I loved in regards to what Randy was saying was, I love that they called him that Laker boy. Um, you know, it just really showed his status at that point compared to those guys. But then that also tells you just how far he climbed. And the other part I wanted to add was, you know, to, to what we were saying is he didn't even say when he was asked would he beat Jordan one-on-one. He made sure – I mean, talk about the ultimate respect. He's like, what I learned was from this guy. He would never dare say such a thing, basically. But he didn't say that he would lose, though. Oh, well, no. He's a, he's a competitor. <laughs> would any of the, 
I mean, you heard Charles Barkley. How big a deal? And I know we'll get down to the road, but these guys, man, it's a hard pill to swallow to say somebody's better. So to hear Charles Barkley say, up until this, I played this guy, I never thought I would say somebody on the court was better than me. So we've now heard, basically, we've heard Kobe basically bouncing around in a lot of different things um, prior to the the ten part series, and then you hear Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, and Magic Johnson have all now said it. Yes. Speaking of just bouncing around, like Jordan puts on those pair of of, of Jordan ones. And you could just see, or at least I could picture just this evolution of the shoe game from then till now. Like, those did not even look comfortable. They didn't even look like they would do shit. But he actually went out there, and despite, like, the hurting of the feet and the issues that the shoes uh, put on him, like, he had a damn good game and, like, played well in them. Um, yeah. It really tells because when he wears them in 1998, he talks about his fever bleeding. And think about that. It was like that was your shoe that you wore all the time in the day. And he mentioned that too. He talked about innovation. Yeah, I I don't I, – I'm really baffled that it, it took – knowing like the kind of guy that Jordan is, it took his parents to force him to go and just have a conversation with Nike. Um. I mean, obviously, they threw a ton of cash at him, and it was the right choice. But I don't see a shoe game today that is ever going to match the the tenure that the Jordans have, have put on and, like, just the popularity of a pair of Jordans has when somebody puts them on or buys them. Yeah, and this and that was one of the few things so far through six episodes, that was one of the few things that I did not know. I did not know that he was an Adidas guy and then he wanted nothing to do with Nike. Um, that was new to me. I know it was public then, but maybe it was one of those things that I just didn't pay attention to. I know Randy said he knew it, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I just read somewhere years ago that he was an Adidas guy, but you talked about, Daniel mentioned that they threw a ton of cash at him. I mean, back then, yes, but Right now, if they were to say I was going to give you two hundred and fifty thousand, I mean, a guy like LeBron would laugh at you. I mean, you know what I mean? It's 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 crazy to think how the money has evolved from where they said, "Hey, we're looking to make three million, you know, in sales," and they ended up doing what one hundred and thirty or one hundred and twenty-six yeah, million. That, I think was a number. That number was astronomical from their projection. Do you I think? Mean, do you think Jordan makes more money off his shoes? Or do you think he still makes royalties from the jersey and for just being who he is? Shoes. Well, I mean, so I think definitely the shoes. If you look at the top, because this is actually something I've done research on. If you look at something, the people that make the money, the top 10 shoe deals, right? Michael Jordan is so far ahead of everybody else. He makes $130 million per year off of Jordan's, right? The number two guy is LeBron James, who I think we can all agree, whether we like him or not, is one of the biggest athletes in the world. He, he makes $32 million a year, so $100 million less than Michael Jordan, who's been retired for 20 years, like for the third time. Yeah, you were talking about how big he was and his following, and to, to put it into perspective, I looked up something after a conversation we had, Randy, in regards to, um, you know, the power and influence, and I looked at LeBron's Twitter following and he had 60 million followers 
And I looked up two players. One, of course, you knew would be Westbrook, and the other would be Harden, both at $6 million or less. So this man is 10 times guys that are considered, you know, perennial all-stars, and they've won MVPs, and he's still 10 times larger. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. How, how are you the best offensive player and defensive player in the league? Somebody answer that question for me. Like, is it because I, mean, I can call Kawhi it, Leonard? Possibly. <laughs> but see, that's debatable if he's the best offensive player. Yeah, no, he's he's not. It was just it was just but not, yeah, he's close. He's close. Here and and the thing is, and that's the reason why in Monty Daniels very first podcast, we had the Clippers and Daniels asking the question, who plays offense and defense? And there's really only like five guys that come to mind when I when I wrote down the list, and two of them play on the same team, in Butler and Paul George. And and the thing about it is, and one thing I learned about Paul George being an OKC, he really liked Scottie Pippen, like we were talking about, and like Michael Jordan, relished the opportunity to lock someone down. That is, I could argue, I don't know them personally, but I could argue they get more enjoyment by locking someone down than getting buckets. Well, you heard you heard Jordan say that several times. Like, you know, when we, we're going to get into this later, but when they were in the Olympics on who was going to guard Tony Kukoc, right, who's going to lock him down? And he told everybody, it's either going to be me or Pippen. Nobody else even think about guarding him. And they wouldn't even let the, let him dribble. So in, in today's game, do you, do you think it was just sheerly the amount of minutes that Jordan played, which allowed him more minutes on the court, which allowed him to be – the best offensive because he had more opportunity to score points, but he was also out there to have more opportunities to defend the ball because I, I don't, I see a lot of breakdown of minutes. I see a lot of like resting and I see a lot of like strategic play when it comes to superstars. Now, was it the, was well, it the minutes the clip, or the work? No, it's the work because if you look at the clips that they're just showing on this series, how many breakaway dunks are you seeing by Jordan and Pippen? A ton. That's and that's not just you know happening. They're creating that. So I think you're seeing that they are. I mean, good defense creates offense, and I think those guys and the way they play defense it led to a bunch of open breaks. So Randy, it, do you think it's minutes? Do you think it's the work? Or I'll throw another wrinkle in there. Do you think it's the have to? Yeah, no, I think it's pure will, you know, to speak to the have to. I think, you know, and, and I fundamentally think that Scottie Pippen was a better overall defender. Uh, but I, I see what you're saying. He was either, if he wasn't one, he was two, right? Y'all so know how that, long that dude is. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so I think that, but with Jordan, it was the fact that he literally couldn't fathom anybody getting the better of him or his team, you know, and even if it meant that he was going to alienate teammates to get there he was fine with doing it whatever it took he mentioned that several times in these first six episodes whatever it took he was willing to put it on the line yeah i mentioned that i mentioned the have to because i feel like in today's game defense is important but it you don't have to do it right and that's where i was going to go and this this is another guy that randy's a huge fan of and we've had this conversation when Jimmy Butler had to lock people down back when he was in Chicago, he locked everybody down. And then he developed his offense. The problem is somewhere along the line, he decided to prioritize offense. 
because I firmly believe still to this day because you see him do it. If he wanted to put defense first, he could. And I think he's one of the five guys that I was talking about that can play defense and offense equally. It's just a matter if he wants to. It also depends on your teammates if they can shoulder the load offensively because if they can't, then, you're for, then your hand's forced. So who who's the best offensive-defensive player in the league now? Is it Kawhi? I mean, Randy, wouldn't you say if Butler wants it, he's right there with him? Yeah, but I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna. I've watched him play over the last couple of seasons. I'm gonna give it to Giannis when he wants to do it. Oh, absolutely. But the problem is, is what I just said. Giannis doesn't. I mean, yeah, he's got Middleton, but he doesn't have the health that uh, allows him to go the full 48 playing defense. Which, when you want to talk about minutes, Daniel, Giannis, I think, plays more minutes than any other superstar, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm gonna, I'm yeah, gonna, he, I'm gonna stretch y'all a little bit further now. Don't give me a superstar. Give me. Give me somebody who is has to play it. Tony Allen. Offense and defense. <laughs> player right now. We all know Tony Allen is, is the man when it comes to defense. But, I mean, I would say offensively he's not the greatest. <laughs> I'll get off of him. But Ooh. I need an example of right now that a team has to have this player be both in order to be competitive. Honestly, um. For me, when I just think right off the top, when they're healthy, Clay Thompson. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly where I was going to go with it too. And we're and I, I go a little bit further down. I don't know if this is a have to have him, but Marcus Smart doesn't get near the credit Ooh, that he should one. when it comes to both because he's plays both sides. He's a better defender than he is uh, an offensive player, but he's really developed a good shot though because he has that nuisance thing about him, like Patrick Beverly, except he's he's better, he's more talented. I agree. So, what on earth was it about Clyde Drexler that people thought <laughs> he was going to be comparable and he was an equal comparison and could even do anything to stop Jordan? Randy, before I let you answer this question, because the dude got murdered right there before our very eyes, leave that man's hairline alone, okay? <laughs> I mean, I he, gonna go there. he looked older than <laughs> I, I feel like he was a grandpa out there, right? And that's what I hope. And that's what I hope. I hope he was declining. I hope. I hope he was. He had some sort of excuse to go back to, right? Like on why that went so bad. You know, but he really didn't. I mean, but you think about it though. He wasn't on Jordan's level, but everybody compared him because the dude. I mean, he was averaging 25 a game that season in 91 when they played. He was the star of that team. I mean, he was their leader. And, I mean, I, I don't know. But the fact – I think what we ran into is nobody knew exactly the level that Michael Jordan could get to. And the fact that he looked for things to be said, people to be compared to, he would even make things up right. to get himself motivated. So, when he heard that and he saw this – you know, Clyde Drexler on the other side, hairline back to the middle of his scalp. He's like, what? <laughs> this dude's not holding me. Oh. But, I mean, we look, look seriously, though, you look at the stat line. For, I mean, Drexler was averaging 25, 7, and 7. Like, that's a solid season. Like, Drexler was on that list where you see a hitman lining off names of people, like you said. They didn't even necessarily have to piss Jordan off personally, but something, whether he heard something or even, like you said, he made it up. But this is my next target. And then after that game, he went home and slashed him off just like the rest of them. 
Yeah, absolutely. But Drexler actually, like, he was a good player with the Trailblazers, but then he went to the Rockets. Was he a better player or was just with better caliber no. players? Oh, team. Yeah, he just was with a better team for sure. Because we talked about that last episode. Akeem Olajuwon is one of the you know, most slept on greatest players of all time. Sam Cassell was good then. Big shot, Bob. Big shot, Bob. Bobby. So this is the part where I really want us to dig in because I don't know about you guys, but the my favorite part of both uh, episodes last night was Team USA and the practices. I would have paid top dollar to go to those practices. I wouldn't have cared about a single Olympic game that they played in. I would rather go and see them practice. Yeah, I mean, because you're talking about the All-Star game except for they care, right? Like, the problem with the All-Star game is they've never cared. Those practices, you had an All-Star game, but they were actually competing. And there was some sort of bragging rights. I mean, you heard them jawing at Michael and – uh and I loved it because, you know, Magic knew, and he said it on countless occasions, how how good Jordan was and that he was even better than him. And I loved it because Magic still just kept talking. And uh, it was one of the things. I think when your friend, those guys, you know, they're all friends too, it, it makes it more fun and competitive all the same. But, uh, yeah, I would have – I mean, I would have paid more than I'd play for a regular ticket. Absolutely, especially because you're in the gym. And, I mean, they it said referee because they said something about foul, but I imagine a lot more stuff gets uh, let go there. Oh, you know, I, there's, sure. there's a reason why Michael Jordan has said over and over again that was the greatest game he ever played in. I mean, there were nine future Hall of Famers on that. And another, we talked about Clyde Drexler, who was on the team but was injured. John Stockton on the team but injured. So, and then the the little known star, I think he may, I may be wrong on this. He may have been the only college players, Christian Leitner, who just gets glossed over being on that team, right? Because, I mean, no, who that, remembers I, Christian Leitner? I remember that in real time. He made it because he was the college, the college that they wanted to yeah. still keep that. But that makes sense. Now that you said that, I didn't know the injuries. But then that makes sense when Jordan said, remember, he made a direct comment that said, 11 of us played in that game. And, it, and then it tells you why some of those guys may have not touched the floor. Because we know they all had the skill level. Oh, yeah. And then just to watch Magic and MJ go at each other, what they did show last night, you know, the trash talk, which I imagine it was very censored for this show. I imagine it got pretty, uh, you know, because Charles Barkley's out there. You know that dude was John. I mean, you know, it's a lot of Larry Bird. I mean, come on. Those guys were probably saying things that they didn't want their mothers to hear. Daniel, let me ask you a question. Since you, just, you intrigued the most by this whole part, how do you think they came up with those teams? Oh, I, I would have hoped that they did it old school and they just shot for teams. That's how I hope in my head. I'm like, man, that would be awesome. But I'm sure it was a mixture of starters and second teamers, and then each team was tried to be balanced out. But, I mean, at the end of it, I think, Jordan is a guy who wants to be competitive, so he may have stacked the deck against himself just to show them how good he actually really is. So you think he went white man can't jump and he picked Leitner with his first pick? No, I, no, I don't <laughs> no. think anybody picked him. <laughs> if he, if... Chuck, Chuck, Chuck Daly <laughs> talked about this. He said what he, re- what he really talked about was the fact that 
he wanted to have a five-on-five duel where it was going to bring out the most competitive to get these guys ready. Because they, remember, they had been getting embarrassed in international play, you know, as far as American standards goes. So he put Michael Jordan on one team and Magic Johnson on another. And I don't remember how the rest of it went, but he made sure to separate those two guys. And what's really, I think, forgotten in this whole thing was that Magic was three months, you know, coming off a of retirement on saying he was HIV positive. You remember how much of a huge story that was? I mean, this guy had just said I'm HIV positive. Now he's playing with all these guys. Do you think there was ever hesitation from those guys? Like, oh, man. Because who knew what HIV positive was in the early 90s? I would think there would be. I mean, because it, it was a lot. It was a lot scarier because uh, you know you look at what we're currently in right now with just COVID. Um, when it comes to that, that, for those guys, it's a it's a real unknown based on what you're saying. And so, I mean, I'm skeptical about having my hands all over, dude. Right? Like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah and hey, another thing about that that those nine guys was that so Magic had retired from HIV. Larry Bird was retired from you know just being old. And then he had the young Bucks and Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing. I mean, on Jordan's team, and his, of course he had Scotty because those guys, you know, peas and carrots. Right. And hey, Daniel, backpedal just for a second to combine the two because he said Larry retired. The original opening scene with the All Star Game. I think it's so interesting when you start the documentary and you're seeing Larry and Michael go at it, and then you see that scene and you see Larry as the coach with Jordan, and you know they're friends or whatever, and you know they're making jokes about. Well, you might. We're here. We might as well win, and that. And so that's cool. Yeah, I, everything. Those those backstories, like showing the locker room part, and like guys, the banter that you have, in you know, with the boys per se. That's all good stuff. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the whole gambling thing. Like, I know that's an an issue that. Michael dealt with and probably to his detriment, probably the one really negative that he had, because I think he said it better than anything. He didn't have a gambling problem. He had a competition problem, but I wouldn't put it past him in a practice to gamble. Let's say how many points he's going to score in regards to how many points magic Johnson is going to score in those USA practices. Right, but don't you think it was asinine the idea that they questioned when he came off that loss that he was willing to shave points? I mean, I any other guy, I, I there's still guys I wouldn't, but I mean any other guy than that guy, they I mean they lost their mind to even put that idea in their head. Yeah. So just a, a clarification. Bleacher Report says that Magic's team had Magic, Charles Barkley, David Robinson, Chris Mullen, and Christian Leitner, while Jordan's team had Jordan, Bird, Malone, Pippen, Patrick Ewing, and Stockton and Drexler sat out with injuries. To me, that doesn't even seem fair. They look. They even left them their side without a sub. That's yeah, how they, that's how they justified it. True. Um. So, so. Team USA ends up, like, going and doing really what everybody expected them to do. What I will say is I came off with a a little, like, I felt bad for Tony Kukoc. I don't know how. No, I agree. I feel like he was shell-shocked 
by having to play the best basketball players in the world in game one, but then like showed a lot of grit, like going, okay, like I'm going to come out and I'm going to play my game. And he did like, he made adjustments and did exactly what he was, you know, needed to do. But one of the things I think that gets me is that they talked about the civil war and the civil unrest that was going on with his country. Like, playing basketball for him was probably the easiest thing that he had to deal with. So those guys going in there, giving him hell, like didn't really mean anything. He probably just shook that off and was just like, this is a easy day in the office. I would have thought, or I mean, I thought in player overall, because his ability to bounce back. But I think the reason I felt bad was his interview, when they're interviewing him, you know, as himself today, and he even said it. I mean, he, he kind of sounded sad. He was like, I just don't understand why they would do that to me. They don't even know me. And you could still kind of, you know, hear it in the way he was saying it. He, he felt picked on and he felt unfair about it. And, and rightfully so. And this is, if everything's said to be true, this is just another thing that Jerry Krause, you know, messed up. Because that's the whole reason. I mean, especially because, you know, Scotty had an axe to grind. Yeah. yeah, I agree. But I think that if you're talking about this early 90s, they got this guy. International scouting wasn't like it is today, right? I mean, so Kukos was like, you know, one of the first of his kind. You know, Jerry Krause found this guy in Croatia, and he just he fell in love with him, for lack of a better term. So I don't know. Looking back on that, I, I don't think that it necessarily spoke negatively of Jerry Krause because he, he knew eventually, hey, I can get this guy. He can be the third. Maybe he was looking at a big three way before it was a thing. So I think in a lot of ways, Jerry might have been an innovator. It just sat wrong with Michael and obviously Scotty. But I don't think – Tony Kukoc, I'm with Jim. You can see it still to this day on his face in 2020. He's like, I don't know why those guys would treat me like that. I was just a basketball player doing my thing. Yeah, you could you could tell, like, he might have, like, put it on the back burner. But the more he is asked about it in preparation for this to come out, you could tell, like – he was really like it, he's still but at bitter. At least about he wasn't that. whining like a girl, like Isaiah. True. <laughs> True. Speaking of of Isaiah, you think he he has a a valid point? He met the criteria, but didn't make the okay, team. Okay, so when it was when I thought it was just a Jordan thing, I thought he had a fair point, but when it was brought to the attention during the episode that bird had an issue and magic had an issue. And Jordan himself said the camaraderie and chemistry would not have been the same if he was there. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a valid point. I agree. And, And what I really noticed myself was that Jordan was like, look, if you want to blame me, you can, but it wasn't me. Almost like saying, listen, there was way more opinion about Isaiah than just mine. Now, Jordan admitted he hated Isaiah, but I don't think that his hatred, he was alone yeah, in his them hatred. Guys pro- I mean, think about it, Randy. Them guys probably called each other and was like, hey, man, I don't want to play with Isaiah. And then Bird and Magic was like, man, I don't either. I ain't got time for that. We're trying to go out there and do what we got to do. Yeah, but what's so weird about that is that Chuck Daly's the but coach. Chuck Daly said that? before that yeah. episode even came, when uh, when they were bringing it out after the last couple of episodes, and they were talking about 
uh, reporters were talking on the radio discussing the issue. They said Chuck Daly didn't even fight for Isaiah to be on the team. He didn't. Because it was we have to win. I mean, that, that's what it came down to. To be honest with you, if Isaiah's on the team, who's not on the team? Uh, well, yeah, Jordan. Or they can't maybe take, Larry they can't and uh, take Magic as well. Like I said, that was a college. They were trying to get a young college kid. So when did Stockton get hurt, Randy? Um, I'm not sure, but I, I think he got hurt. But after practice, they had already not mistaken. I could be wrong on that, though. Okay, okay. Because so, if it yes, would have happened, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. you getting ready before they left, then that would have been the easy move. What about yeah? What about Penny? Oh, so before you answer, Randy, I immediately do. You were the first person in the world I thought of to show Penny and Kobe within the same sixty-second fragment. I was like, I hope this dude's got Kleenex because I was like, those are his guys. <laughs> oh, no doubt. So it was pretty surreal, like seeing that that All-Star team, and after, like you said, Kobe came. Then I look in the back, and there's Penny. And I hated that they kind of glossed over it. They didn't really talk about Penny because Penny, as much as they talked about Jordan, I mean, Penny was the next guy before we even knew who Kobe Bryant was. Uh, I think injuries kind of derailed it. But, I mean, it was a lot to see Penny back there. And it just, you know, we see Penny around town now, right? I get to, I saw him when I was working with the schools. And he still looks like the same guy. Like, he could suit him up right now. And that guy was out there giving buckets to the greatest of all time. He did – he did run a stint with the Knicks, which I think when you run run with the Knicks, that's kind of the the swan song for you. Was the '93 Knicks were they the 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 best they'll ever I'll let be? Them take that first. You know, you know, you, you know. We mentioned that earlier. Honestly, you know, when Jordan retired, obviously that was like the Knicks' chance, right? That's like, hey, we got a chance now to get in there and win us a championship, MJ's retired. So they do. They make the finals, and they play those Clyde Drexler and Akeem Olajuwon Rockets, and it's probably like the worst series ever. It's just defense. It's like 80 to 76, and they feel like they have the the series, and they end up losing it, you know, because Akeem Olajuwon does what Akeem Olajuwon does. Then to go back the next season, get to the Eastern Conference Finals again, have Reggie Miller, you know, do what he does and score the – the infamous eight points and eight seconds thing. So they had so many chances. Patrick Ewing misses a finger roll. John Starks goes two for 18 and Pat Riley won't take him out of the game. So they had so many chances after that, that year that they just fell flat on their face. And even later in the late nineties, when Alan Houston, my Tennessee boy was there and when they went to the, I think it was the, um, was yes. it the lockout short yeah. season when they played the Spurs? Like in ninety, that was the first guy that came on, especially because I'm talking to you. I remember the Allen Houston team, but I mean, you asked me this question, Daniel, in preparation for this podcast, and the best Knicks team that I can actually think of was coached by Eddie Whoopi Goldberg in a movie. Um, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> the only time I remember the Knicks being relevant. They had to walk a horse onto the onto the court, but I mean, you know, when I think of Knicks, I mean, really, I mean, you think of Spike Lee. And then since we've been talking about a Bulls documentary, even though it didn't happen in the playoffs, man, they should have just shown that highlight of Scottie Pippen dunking all over Patrick Ewing just because. Because 
when you talk, I don't know if y'all got to know what dunk I'm talking about. When if you had a top five most shameful oh, dunks, yeah. like the way they did it and how they treated them afterwards, Scotty Pippen rubbed his nuts in his face. Period. Well, John Starks, I forgot all about that guy until he was dunking all over people. Like, I didn't even think the guy could dunk. I forgot how good he was. So. Him dunking, uh, him dunking on Jordan is probably playing on a loop in his house every every day. At least it but would you know be in my happens? house. You asked, you asked you know, earlier the question about playing defense. If you got a guy who's willing to play defense and giving his all, you, we've seen this in stars who do play defense. You're going to get put on a poster. The reason why a lot of guys don't is because they don't have the willingness to play. I think there's something to be said about a guy who will challenge you at the rack like specifically like to use my boy for example right my my favorite dunk was when he dunked all over Kawhi Leonard when he was on him from the get-go from the three-point line but the thing was that it was Kawhi Leonard's nature to stay on him and once he had him beat he still tried to contest it you've seen it with LeBron you've seen it with the freak if you're gonna play defense and really play it it's gonna happen eventually True. Well, they talked about it. Speaking of getting dunked on, you know, when the Knicks had Pat Riley was coaching them, uh, he, it was toughness was his mantra, right? So he kept saying, you cannot let this guy get to the rim. Uh, did a little bit of bad boys Pistons. If you let him get to the rim, he's going to dunk on you. And so, you know, you had that John Starks. I think that, you know, Mark Jackson even had a stint, you know, in that those Knicks years. I mean, they were a tough, tough team that just never could get over the hump. And I think it's because – in my opinion, they just didn't have the guy that go get all the buckets. You had a lot of defenders and some pretty decent offensive players, but they didn't have a Michael right. Jordan. You definitely have Patrick Ewing, which, I, I mean, I don't know where he ranks exactly, but just yeah. to make it easy, he's definitely top ten centers, obviously, all the time. Given the Knicks' status, ha- since Patrick Ewing, have they had a face – I can't think of one guy that the Knicks had where they're like, yeah, but you had to mellow. pay him knowing that he wasn't going to get you anywhere. He was just going to get you buckets to bring people in the building. I mean, I guess, I mean, to me, and maybe it's unbiased. I think Allen Houston, he's not you Ewing where he's one of the best in the game, but that guy was in the mid twenties to upper twenties in points. And he was a guy that would no, go get all the buckets. Uh, he, I mean, Allen Houston was when you, when the, question was asked when was the last time they're relevant when i think when they're good that's the first guy that actually comes to mind that i could think of the last time they were they were decent i mean yeah they won 60 games uh i think it was like 90 when jeff van gundy was their coach you remember the the uh the the brawl that broke out and jeff van gundy is the iconic video clip of him holding on the legs while they're dragging him around the floor Ooh, man, it's no better now. Man, we could do a whole segment on hairlines, can't we? Yeah. Well, speaking of hairlines, we go from hairlines to goggles. Horace Grant. How how important was he to the Bulls? Very. The guy was so good, and we forget how good he was. It's kind of like a uh, – you know, and I remember Horace Grant more for being with the Magic just because I was a little bit older – uh, but I do remember him playing for the Bulls, and he was so good. I mean, he filled in. I think he did, did a little bit of uh, what Rodman did later right, in their that's years, the question but I was he ask, was better. The question I mean, that guy I was could say who did it better, Rodman or Grant? Oh, Horace Grant for sure, because he was so much 
uh, more polished offensively. He could go get you some points, rebounds, defend. I mean, he was a total package. But his problem, in my opinion, was what Jordan did great was getting everybody to buy into the roles. Like you have a guy that's a top 50 of all time, Scottie Pippen, that bought into being the second fiddle. Horace Grant wanted no part of that. He wanted to be a star. Yeah, it. I mean, he was on the wrong team to right. be a star. Right, and it's hard, but that's why, like, well, and knows, it, I hate, yeah. I mean, Daniel, you know this. I hate Draymond Green with a passion, right? But, like, he's an example of a guy who's the third or fourth guy on a team and is perfectly okay with his role, even though he is a significant part on those championship teams. You have to find guys who are willing to take that. It's you know, and that's a hard thing because it's hard enough to find guys who are willing to play Robin. It's it's even harder when you got to find somebody to play Batgirl, right? Like I mean, like it's it's tough. I know Batgirl is a bad reference. It's the only thing I don't know who else goes with Batman. I don't know who else goes with Batman. And you, just, Robin. you just compare Horace I don't, to Batgirl. I don't know who else goes with Batman and Robin. <laughs> well, he's the reference in basketball. But yeah, it's hard being the third guy, especially the fourth guy, and you got to find somebody who's willing to do it. And I think ultimately, when you see what happened with him, you know, I look past basketball. If you look at every great empire historically, when you're taught, when you like, you know, you look at the Roman Empire and hey, you look in the Bible, jealousy is a hell of a thing, man. And it can tear everything down. And when somebody's not happy with their role or their lack of credit, I mean, it happened with Jerry Krause, as we saw. And so with Horace, I mean, I'd like to think that he'd stay there if he could be content, but obviously he felt like he was a bigger deal, and therefore, I mean, it wasn't going to work. I I have a better analogy. I think, and it's probably going to make more sense. I think Horace was like Cyclops. He played second fiddle to Wolverine. Man, all did the they time. take his girl? He. They did, probably. Multiple girls, if I had to guess. <laughs> well, Pippin's long, so we know he did. You know Pippin. Pippin was the undercover, like, thief. <clears throat> He's smooth, too. Like, you could just tell the way he talks. He's I just still, like, I yeah. Can, they they hey, only showed up? one, like, dunk highlight with him during that during last night's episodes. And in it, he was palming the basketball like he had a golf ball. I don't doubt it. That's what he – when he scratches his junk, that's probably what it feels like. So, Horace, he had a relationship with Sam Smith who wrote wrote the book um, on Jordan. Did he leak info? Was he the guy? I don't know, Randy. Do you know? I, I don't – I mean – I think it was telling that a lot of the guys didn't think it was him. You know, BJ and those guys said it couldn't have just been Horace, but they said couldn't have just been. So I think, yeah, Sam Smith was definitely getting some information from Horace, but uh, I agree with those guys. It had to be more than one source. You don't get all the uh, entire book off one guy's account. What about Jerry Krause? <laughs> well, he would have the, he would be the most obvious answer to me, right? He's the one that had the axe to grind. He's over there thinking, look, I need to get the credit for putting this team together. Man, screw these yeah, guys. I'm the one that did this. In the book on Jordan rules, that's every alpha on any major team. I mean, it, he wasn't unique in that. I mean, when you're when you're the man, you're going to you're going to demand the ball and that and that was something that we discussed off the off the podcast. When you asked me about KD and Westbrook, and that was you even said it yourself, if KD would have done like Jordan, right, and said, you're going to give me the ball, 
and it's I'm going to take the final shot, it would have been a different story. But because he's soft, he didn't do that, therefore allowing them to have um, the chemistry problems down the stretch. You, ha- I think you have to have that, right? Like, because Kobe did that. And, I mean, if you look down the grades, I'm willing to bet even, um, you know, guys like – even though Larry had a better team around him, I bet Larry said the same damn thing. So do you, oh, I agree. do you think do you think the book tarnished the reputation? And I think it was the first time in Michael Jordan's life that somebody was publicly calling him out. So I think I don't think it tarnished it for the general public, but in Jordan's mind it did because he had been idolized since he came into the league and he was the league's face of the league, he was a star, he was the first international guy, right? And now you got a guy making a book. Not that I really think the book just talked really bad about him, but it didn't paint him as this perfect image that his PR team had worked so hard to build. You know, they talked about that too. He was the first of his kind in the fact that they did not brand him as a basketball player. He was not just going to be, you know, Michael Jordan, the basketball player on another team like they did Magic and like they did Larry, Kareem, all those guys. No. They, they likened it to a tennis player and that they were going to do it solely to single him out to put him on this pedestal, and it worked beautifully. It's the first time we saw it, but look now, everything's like that. You know, LeBron, Kobe, Shaq, all those guys follow the same mantra. He literally changed the way that we look at everything, and here you got a guy writing a book saying, well, he's not that good. Yeah, and I mean, he hated look, it. the book was published in 1992, and you look at the things that happened as they and they showed it in the you know as a timeline and I know like Daniel said they kind of bounce around on the timeline and they can get you lost but if you look the scrutiny he took through the stretch of of ninety two to ninety four I mean it kind of went bang 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 and and I think ultimately you know he said he was tired and whatnot and I don't think it was to do with basketball I think it was everything else involved in it. So, do you think in this day with social media where negativity is constant, you get more negative information that can go directly to a player, do you think Jordan could have handled that type of scrutiny? Well, we, then? we've seen with adversity, it pisses him off. So, I, I don't. Would be- scared for the players he's playing yeah. people were mouthing at him well I, i'm but to expound on that a little bit though daniel i think no because you saw when right after obviously he had a lot of things happen right he had just finished a three p you know his dad passes away the book comes out it's kind of all that right there bam 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 things are being said did you go to atlantic city did you do this so now if that was to happen now and lebron goes to vegas the night before a playoff game it's on Twitter. It's There's Vines. That are, I don't even think Vines a thing anymore. It's on TikTok, whatever there is. <laughs> I mean, but it, that that took like days to get out into the media, right? And it pissed him off so bad. But to Jim's credit, he did go out and make a statement. Look, I can go do what I want to do. I can be out till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning and still dominate. But no, I don't think he could handle it because he said it. This I am sick and tired of living like this. I can't leave this small box of a hotel room right? because I'm pounded everywhere I go. I couldn't believe it when I heard it. I I agree with it, but when he says, I don't want to be a role model, right? Because you always have just heard Charles Barkley, right? 
um, say it and say it publicly. And obviously, he didn't, you know, Jordan didn't say it publicly. This is this was in you know videotape that we're now seeing. Um, and I, you know, I'm not going to take credit for this because Jason Fitz said it on the radio today, and I listened to him. And th- this is a question I'm asking you, Daniel, because you asked all the questions. And it's somebody who uh, it was an athlete um, in college and has coached, you know, athletes who've, who've been pretty, pretty going on to big time. Why is it that athletes are held to a standard as a role model that musicians and actors and actresses and other famous people are not? It's a, it's an answer that I, I don't have. But I will say is that I think that there's more public eyes on sports figures than there are on actresses or musicians. You see a musician when they're on the stage at a concert, you kind of put this persona that they party and they do all these things off the stage. And that's kind of what draws people into that lifestyle actors actors and actresses are playing roles of characters so it only makes sense that they would take those roles and those characters and portray them in real life like as an athlete you think of this holier than thou like person that i see on a day-to-day basis because they have to compete on a day-to-day basis so when they're doing something that is against what I feel would put them on that, that elite level, then I, I have a problem with it. Right, wrong, indifferent. It, it's more about like what you believe. And I, as a coach and as a player, I always believed in like, as long as you're on the field doing what you're supposed to do, like, I want you to be a good person off the field, but as long as you're not doing anything illegal, I'm not going to pry into what you do. Right, because to put into perspective, to his point, first he used the example of, you know, if you want to be the greatest guitar player ever, you can look at Slash, and you don't have to look at Slash's extracurricular activities. He's like, you just look at how he was a guitar player. But furthermore, I watched a movie recently called Molly's Game, which – showed where high-profile people were playing in underground car games for millions of dollars, and it had Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and Tobey Maguire. Like, that's who was really playing in these games. It got leaked in the book. And, you know, no one judged them for it. But Michael Gambles, and it's a, you know, it's a problem. And so it's just unfair criticism, if you ask me. Molly's game started on the Bulls' charter plane. I didn't did you know that? I did not. In I the back. Say that in the movie. Is that in the book? Yeah. No, that's that's my own personal belief. <laughs> I thought I you mean, dropped some I, knowledge I, on us. Oh. I, I thought it was I thought it was funny how Will Purdue is like up in the front betting dollars and Jordan and Ron Harper and Pippen are in the back betting thousands of dollars. Do you think do you yeah. guys think that gambling tar- tarnished Jordan's reputation any? Well, I mean, I don't – so you don't really know what to believe. You know, the, the the story was that his gambling may or may not have played a part in his father's murder. Obviously, nobody will ever know the answer to that. I think that um, – because it really largely went unsolved. I know two young kids went to jail for it, but there's a lot of controversy around it. So – 
I think to some people have the belief that, yes, it does tarnish it. But to me, it does not because that was never proven. And he really wasn't doing anything illegal. I mean, look, guys, I play golf a lot. I play basketball. I do this. And there's plenty of times where we're like, oh, hey, five bucks next hole. Randy, or, Randy you know, been trying to take my cornhole. We're like, all right, hey, you want to play $20 a game? Uh, yeah, that's true. So, and it, to me, I'm like, I'm a little bit, obviously, we're talking way on another scale, but I'm the kind of guy, it's not the money, it's the competition. It's an extra motivator to me. Here's the difference. Plates. You know, he wasn't taking food uh, off his kids' plates. He he wasn't doing anything. He had the money, Um, uh, I think, uh, Mod Rashad or whoever had said it was, you know, $10,000 to him was $10. And so, he wasn't he wasn't hurting anything and to use something from my own personal life and i know how both of you think guys think i mean y'all think the utmost of military members correct when when they Absolutely. get on yeah. leave or when i was on navy ship and you hit shore the first thing you do is you're gonna go find a bar a casino and you're gonna live it up so to think a guy who's playing in all these strenuous basketball games. And we know basketball is basically all year long, not the games themselves, but when you look at practice, workouts, all that, when it is 24-7, and to think that a guy isn't going to want to unwind, and everybody has their preference. And for him, that was it. But, I mean, I watch military guys do it, no different in the same, but yet they always did their job, and they did their job to the fullest. And, and Michael always did his job and did his job to the fullest. And it, like you said, it didn't hurt his family. And, let, you know, unless, like Randy said, the alleged thing, but it was never proven. I have no problem. If that's, if that's his outlet and he's not messing with his family and their lifestyle, then, I mean, do what you do. I, I, I agree. I think the difference here is that when you gamble and you – can't afford to lose, then you have a problem. When you gamble and you can afford to lose the money because you are not taking food off the table, you're not going into debt, you're not having to owe people money, I think that's where the the line is drawn. So final thoughts, all right, is a – is a good reputation more important than the amount of money that you make or is having a good reputation, you, you don't care about it, you just care about the amount of money you make? And I'll start with you, Jim. I mean, it's about, to me, and I know this is taking the easy way out, it's about finding the middle ground. Um, but you know we've been talking role model. If you're, if that's your main goal, if your main goal is to is to set an example, then then yeah, it's about what you do in your time more so than it is the money. Um, but I mean, I think you got to find a way to do them both. You got to find a way to have success and the money. I mean, and when you look at that. He he did it. You, we look. We talk about Kobe. We looked at. He did it. You gotta you gotta find a way to to be able to do both. But I mean, if you ask me personally, if it's me, if I'm gonna choose one or the other, I mean, I I would rather have the money and the security. Go back to Scottie Pippen taking his contract. Right. If he would have never been successful, but he got his family out of poverty, he wouldn't have cared. 
And so to each guy's different and to each guy's situation is different too. I mean, if you, if you are somebody who's from a, from a poverty situation, then it's going to be about making money. If, if you're somebody who's okay, maybe you're, maybe you're the, the son of a, a basketball player, like for somebody like Steph, right? Steph Curry, it probably is meaningful to get accomplishments more than money, right? Because, you know, he's got to follow in his dad's footsteps and he wanted to be him and even better if he could. So it's every situation is different. Every person is different. But I mean, if you're asking me, if it's just me, I'm going to go money. Randy. So the part about reputation is you don't own your reputation. It's has nothing to do with you. Sometimes it's made up of other people's opinions um, you know, formed through a combination of things, you know, whether they're right or they're wrong. Um, so that's a scary part about it. To me, if I'm doing everything that I need to do uh, out of good character, setting an example for my children, um, then that's really all I care about. And I don't want to put money as the number one thing in my life, but I have put a lot of effort into being comfortable. And by no means am I rich. So when this gets played back, but I think that money too, because like I said, you don't own your reputation, but I do preach to all of my children. Your character is what matters. Now, opinions are going to be formed. You can't worry about that. The number one line that I always heard coming up is their opinion doesn't pay your bills. So I'm going to go money too. You say, Randy, don't let them uh, rent, uh, get rent free on your headspace. Exactly. You never let them rent. Yeah. Nate, I'm messing. I can't think of it now. You can't let them rent space in your head for free. So I'm I'm going to end it with this. Money can always be made. Your reputation, once you lose it, it's extremely hard to get back. And there's no amount of money that can buy you a good reputation. But didn't somebody say it. that on the show, or and it may have been Jordan, didn't say somebody it was next to impossible to maintain one? Possibly. I don't know. I like to keep a good rep and, and leave it at that. The money will come. If I'm, doing, if I'm a good person doing good things, then I feel the void in my life that I feel like is my purpose. So with that, we're going to end it, guys. It's been fun. We'll be back uh, breaking down parts seven and eight. Man, we're flying through these last dance episodes, parts seven and eight, next Monday. It's been a blast. See you guys. More Average Joes talking basketball and hoes next week.